0: I'd like to welcome any of you who are um, here with us for the first time or um, new to Maranatha. We're really glad that you're here with us and um, would love for you to, to get more connected with the church. Um, you can stop by the welcome desk in the lobby after the service if you'd like to learn more about Maranatha and, and get connected here. Uh, we have several announcements here this morning. Uh, today is the Pregnancy Help Center's Um, annual slice of life fundraiser um, three to five this afternoon down at the Stardust um, drive-in. And even if you're not planning on attending the event, you can still donate. Um, There's a box in the lobby, you can put donations in and you will not only be supporting the um, saving of the lives of unborn children and giving um, crucial help to parents, um, but you can also um, put money towards Pastor Aaron being pied today, possibly. So that would be exciting. <laughs> um, secondly, uh, the uh, Soul Garage youth are doing their um, Christmas wreath fundraiser again this year. Um, this gives youth money towards events um, like the, the fall retreat that uh, many of the youth are currently on up in uh, northern Minnesota. Um, as well as also other conferences and events. Um, We encourage you to consider buying a wreath uh, for your own home or possibly to give as a gift to somebody. Um, We also wanted you to be aware, um, contrary to the the slide that you might see up here, um, the uh, Sunday school class for adults with special needs has been postponed a couple weeks um, due to illness um, so stay tuned about when that will begin in a couple weeks. Then many of you are, are likely aware that there are um, more than 13,000 refugees from Afghanistan in Wisconsin um, down at Fort McCoy. And as Christians we are called to uh, treat foreigners and refugees with love and with justice. And um, I'm going to invite Gabe Vanetta up to share about some particular ways that we as, as a church family can um, help the refugees in our area.
1: Well, I'm glad I wrote this down because otherwise I don't think i make it through. <clears throat> in 2008, while deployed to Afghanistan, I met a man named... Well, we'll just call call him codename Easy, because he said he was always easy on the eyes. (laughs) The reason that I don't give his true name is that his family is still there, or at least we hope. Um, He saved my life and the life of my guys in my unit multiple times. He was killed a month before we came home in an IED explosion. We have kept in contact with his family through emails and through different apps, just kind of sharing photos. Come here, buddy. So we've been able to share through emails and different apps of how to, what our life and our children, and being able to just keep in contact with them until July. We haven't heard anything, the three other guys in my unit that have kept contact with the family have not heard anything since July. We still hold out hope that they're alive and or still maybe in another country in a refugee camp or somewhere else. As I watched the news of the evacuees being flown into the United States and into other countries, my heart just kept pulling at me. It brought me back to many dark memories, but also many good memories. I've been praying if there's a way that I can honor the sacrifice of those that we lost, but also those that are still here that are dealing with many things that I've been able to work through. Save Our Allies is a Christian rugging organization run by Chad Robichaux and he is also the founder of uh, the Mighty Oaks Foundation. They are going to have afterwards after the service in the back we will have a link to their website but also to their asking for donations through the Amazon wish list and or also through their website that you can donate funds to Save Our Allies partnered with the United Arab Emirates and flew to Afghanistan as the fall was happening in Afghanistan and they served over 12,000 Afghan refugees alone Now they are in charge of the Fort McCoy relief, but also the other eight military installations around the world, around the United States. Um, They formed a task force called Task Force 6-8 in reference to Timothy 6-8, here I am, send me. As I followed Save Our Allies, I started following what they were doing, what they were looking for, and they were asking for volunteers. And they're like, there's no way. I had just started a new job. There's no way that I was gonna be able to get off two weeks, even less than that. Where are you going? You gonna go back? In? You gonna go by me? Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> just a minute, <it>, buddy. No. <laughs> you stay up here my daddy it's okay with a little pushing from my wife I asked my work I said is there any way that I can do this when I talked to my supervisor she said let me ask later that evening the head honcho from my work came to me and said I wish that we could have more people to volunteer go ahead you have the two weeks that you need So I am taking two weeks in the mid of October to the end of October to go down to Fort McCoy and work for two weeks dealing and working with these Afghan refugees. I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm willing. So what I'm asking for is there will be some links sent out on the backside that will be printed out. There's the Amazon wish list, and there's also the Save Our Allies. Um, My recommendation is to go on their website, check it out, see what's on there but they are more than willing to work with churches and other people organizations to deal with it. I thank you for listening to what I have to say, but I also ask for your prayers for those that are still in Afghanistan, those that have flown from the Afghanistan to the United States, but especially those veterans that have served over there that are now dealing with the repercussions of seeing their work being erased and just being in prayer for those. So I thank you for that.
0: Yes, thank you, Gabe. We appreciate the service that you and others in the military have given to this nation and your advocacy for refugees and um, those who have served. We um, just want to conclude this time um, of announcements with a, a celebration um, before we um, hear the word from Pastor Cody. I um, wanted to take a minute to celebrate um, what God was doing through the neighborhood gatherings, um, the connections that were happening this past Sunday and, and throughout this past week as there were about 20 different groups um, of you that met in, in homes and a few at neighborhood parks. Um, and I wanted to just highlight and share a few uh, pictures here, and as well as some comments from from the hosts. One person said it was really wonderful to see a gathering of people who had never met one another before, but will now feel comfortable stopping by on a walk to say hello. Another person said, "I would say getting together with people you have never met might seem intimidating, but I felt a total peace about this, and it." seemed like something that was needed another another person said we enjoyed getting to know each other better and the kids played yard games together after supper while the adults chatted both couples seemed to be excited to continue with the study we saw grace and love for one another the fear of hosting was removed almost instantly and we had a great group so these these gatherings um, would not have been possible without the hospitality that was given by those of you who have hosted. So um, on behalf of the pastors and in the church, we want to say thank you for, for making this happen and um, helping to uh, facilitate connections in our church family. And we also want to celebrate that there are about 15 um, groups that are going forward with the six-week Bible study. Um, if you are interested in a Bible study, but you um, haven't yet connected with a group, or maybe you're not sure if your group is continuing, um, please come and find me um, today, and um, I'll help you get connected with one of those. And just as a reminder to those of you uh, leading Bible study, um, there are more Bible study books available in the conference room um, down that way, if you'd like. So with that, I'd like to invite Pastor Cody up as we hear from God's Word this morning.
2: Good morning, everyone. Here's a line I'm going to say: It's good to be alive. Amen, amen. Yvonne, you just put your thumbs up. After COVID, you get tired, you're weary, but uh, I'm still in that stage. Thank you for your continuing prayers. I feel weird that every day I just feel like, oh, I should sit on the couch. An hour later, I wake up. I'm just like, what's my problem? But I'm coming back to the planet. I feel like, and uh, man, just grab your Bibles. Let's go to James chapter four, and I'm just. I love how songs have a special way of just kind of ingraining into your brain and just this that that song we just sang, His mercy is more. I've just been sitting there just going, His mercy is more. I need it every day. I need it every day. His mercy is more. We're in James chapter four, and just we finished last week with James six, and I love just just briefly here, I wasn't thinking of sharing this, but yeah, It says, He gives us more grace. Oh, we need that. Amen every day we need his grace and his mercy is more and more and just we are so blessed to be in his word and and i am i'm excited about what happened last week if you were not here last week please go online you need, to, you need to listen to the message and listen to the letter we read to our church god is doing wonderful wonderful things and this is part 2 of our message from last week it's just so congruent with what What James is doing, what we're doing as a church, and I'm excited. And let's take a moment, and it's always good to pray before we get into the Word. So let's take a moment and pray here. Lord, Your mercy and grace is so evident in my life, in our lives. You give us more grace. You give us more mercy because we need it every day. And again, Lord, we pray that You would do Your work in our hearts as we look at this passage out of James chapter 4. 7-12, through and I pray You just use us and encourage us through these words as we look at ways to be more like You. God, that's my desire, that I would be more and more like You each day. So Spirit, do Your work in a powerful way, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen? Well, in the last 10 years or so, it seems that superheroes have become very popular. Have anyone in this room seen a superhero movie in the last 10 years? Okay, either DC, Marvel Universe, whatever you have. I mean, I've I've seen enough Marvel movies where I could go 10 years without another Marvel movie. I'm done with them. But some of you are like, no, we need more of them. But it's interesting that superheroes are popular, but spiritual heroes aren't. You know, we're so into just promoting people that have all these special superpowers and stuff but they're very popular but many christian heroes aren't talked about and i have many personally many people that have helped me in my life to become more like christ raise your hand if you've heard these names before charles spurgeon anyone go oh good Every preacher who preaches should read some of his sermons and learn to preach like him, but also just feel his heart for people and for God. I'm just, he inspires me in that way. Jonathan Edwards, one of my heroes. One of the brightest men America's ever produced, but also a spiritual giant. George Mueller. Oh, I hope more. I was hoping more hands would go up. Write that down right now. George Mueller. Man, that guy has taught me more about prayer than anyone I've learned except for Jesus Christ. George Mueller. Oh, anything I can read on George Mueller. I may not agree theologically with all this stuff, but man, I tell you what, that guy teaches me to pray. Hudson Taylor. Oh, missions. John Owen. Okay, maybe two. Okay, no one. Okay, two people. I thought so. I thought. Amber Cargis. you heard of Amber Cargis? Why are you laughing? Tell you what. I remember it was two years ago we have this thing at in awana popcorn with the pastors, and they get popcorn and they ask the pastors all these questions. And I remember one of the kids raised her hand and said, Kid, can, can women be ministers? And I was, it wasn't that high of a voice, but I'm acting like a little kid. Can women be ministers? And I was like, whoa. One of the greatest ministers on this planet is my wife. Absolutely. She's one of my heroes. And you'll hear more of some of my heroes. In fact, I'm going to do this now in case I forget. I'm, I have a pile of books back there. I'm going to walk these out. These are some of the writings of my heroes. I've got this library in my office. Take these books. If you don't bring them back, that's fine. My name's in them. If you forget, if you hand them to someone else, great. I want you to get more excited about our spiritual heroes that have walked before us. All right, today we're going to look at our section in James chapter 4. I'm going to work on seven solutions. Last week we talked about some of the problems that can be because in the church, it's a heart issue. And out of that, there can be a tongue issue, which we talked about in chapter 3. And now we're going to give more of the solution to help churches and help us as Christians. And we're going to look at seven verbs that we have here. And with each of these seven verbs, I'm going to talk about seven different Christians who I've learned from. Some of my heroes will have some of their quotes on the screen there, some I'm just going to read. And they displayed that quality and action in a Christ like way in their life. So if you look through James, you'll notice that James chapter 3, verse 1 all the way to James chapter 4.12 is one unit. Even though there's a section there, chapter 3 and chapter 4, really this is one unit that we have here in James. And it's talking about the use of words. And he begins with saying, hey, the small muscle in our body, the tongue can be so dangerous. We talked about that a few weeks ago. How we can care for one another and how we treat one another is so important. And the solution to this verbal quarrels is turning to God. And again, the end of my first section in James 3, verse 1 and following, we talked about really it's about not just cleaning up your words, it's about a transformed heart. And now we're going to look at how to do this. I'm going to look at seven verbs here in this passage. And these are verbs of confession. Verbs of repentance. This is how healing can begin with you and God and you and others. All right, so James chapter 4, starting with verse 7. Here we go. Submit yourselves then to God. Submit. This is how people can overcome friendship with the world, overcome quarrels within the church. Number one, submit yourselves to God. Submission and coming under the authority of God is so important. Since God pours out His grace on the humble, look at the verse right before it, He gives us more grace. He, he resists the proud. gives grace to the humble. It's essential that they submit entirely to Him. We must place ourselves under the guidance of God and His Spirit who lives and dwells within us. And then we experience Grace and victory in a variety of ways. Submit yourself to God. And this must be, listen to this, this must be complete surrender. Or the phrase I love to use, total surrender. Not just one hand with God and one hand with the world. Total surrender. I belong to Him. 21 years ago, or maybe it's 22, I'm, my wife's not here, she probably it's 22. Yeah, it is 22. 22. 22 years ago, I stood in front of an audience, 400 some people, and put this ring on and said, I belong to her. All you other girls, get out of the way. Total surrender to her. I belong to her. Too bad. The problem is, many of us as Christians, I belong to God on Sunday. We come all, I belong to God. And the rest of the week, we're playing with the world. Submit yourself to God. Come under his authority. This must be a complete surrender to God's will in everything we say and do. Every area in our life must be dedicated to the fame and glory of God. I get that from Edwards. All that we live for must be for his glory. It belong to him. Total surrender. All right. One of my heroes. Submit. D.L. Moody. Have you heard of D. L. Moody? Not the school, but the man D. L. Moody. One of the greatest writings I've ever read that has just encouraged me, and I, I've I've had 20, 30 copies. I looked in my office; they're all gone. I just keep giving them away. Write this down. It's called "Why God Used D.L. Moody." I don't know if that's probably not there, but okay. Why God used D.L. Moody? His second-hand man, um, helping him run the schools and all stuff. R.A. Torrey. He wrote a sermon titled "Why God Used D.L. Moody." It's online. It's free. Go today. Find it. Read it. It's it's amazing. R.A. Torrey talks about all these areas of of D.L. Moody's life, how he used them as evangelists and humility, his respect for the Word, uh, his, his desire in prayer. Here's one of the lines in this. A preacher came and said, it remains to be seen what God will do with a man who gives himself up wholly to Him. I'm told that when Mr. Henry Verily said this, that Mr. Moody said, well, I will be that man total surrender my life is not my own I've been bought with a price amen I belong to him for me to live is what Christ deal Moody the Spirit of God does not work where there is division and what we want today is the spirit of unity among God's children so that the Lord may work. Amen? It begins with submitting to God. Here's a great line. Before we pray that God would fill us, I believe we ought to pray for Him to empty us. <laughs> right? It's not my will, but His will. I'm so filled with myself every day when I come in the Word and prayer. It's about emptying myself so He can fill me with Himself. If we make full surrender, God will give us something better than we have ever known before. And we will get a new vision of Jesus Christ. All. Oh. John chapter 3.30 He must increase, I must what? Decrease. A great many people are afraid of the will of God, and yet I believe that one of the sweetest lessons that we can learn in the school of Christ is the surrender of our wills to God, letting Him plan for us and rule our lives. That's what we should have, right? I love that phrase, the school of Christ. After we finish James, we're going to have our Christmas season, then we're getting into the book of Mark. And I might retitle what I was doing The School of Christ because Mark does a great job of all the Gospels helping his disciples realize this is what it's like to live as a disciple of Christ. The School of Christ. I love that. We must have a Christianity, this is D.L. Moody again, that has in the principle of self-denial, we must deny ourselves. So verb number one, submit, submit to God. Look at the ending of here, verse seven, chapter four, James. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Hear it again. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Man, this is maybe the '70s. Shut the door, keep out the devil. Remember that song. Anybody remember that song? Light your candle, everything will be all right, or something like that. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you the problem is the devil will take our selfish motives our evil desires james chapter one james chapter two james chapter three we got this tongue that's so evil and poisonous you'll use that for destructive things and he's one of the main sources of temptation in fact take your bibles let's just quickly go here let's go to ephesians chapter two years ago we went through the book of ephesians And if you take a look at this little chart that I designed for you here, it's got three circles. These are the three influences that we had in our former world. This is, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to this, starting with verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. So look at the chart. There's this area of this world that used to influence us and control us. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the Spirit is now working those who are disobedient. And all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our own flesh, desires, and thoughts like the rest of us. We were by nature deserving the wrath of God. So we've got these areas here. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the world that's influenced, our flesh, our own desires, which James talks about there. But also, the enemy is real. The devil, Satan, is Real. Oh, but verse 4. But God. You love that right there, Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love for us. Go back to James here. The Greek word here is diablo, meaning enemy, adversary. He is the one who is in complete opposition to everything that God is about. And stands as one who wants to seek, kill, and destroy. We must resist him because he wants us to turn away from God. But here's the thing we have no chance against the devil on our own. We will fail. We will fail. So let me briefly give you three ways we can resist the enemy. Number one, we must submit. When we submit under the authority of God and the power of God, then we have the strength to resist. We place ourselves under the Lord and receive the strength that's sufficient to find victory. Some of you have been struggling with sins, addictions, struggles to control the tongue. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Number two, only when empowered by the Spirit Because Jesus has triumphed over the enemy. Praise God Almighty. In the forces of darkness, He is defeated. Amen? We, by the Spirit, have the power and the authority to risk Satan in the name of Jesus. The devil knows he is overmatched. He cannot beat Christ as he did when Christ defeated and opposed him. Satan, Is not an overpowering figure that cannot be defeated when we submit and we let the Spirit empower us. Christ has won the victory and when we submit to Him and receive His power, we too can be victorious, resist the devil, and he will flee. Amen? Amen. Number three, we must resist Satan and all that he stands for. Faithfulness to God means... A refusal to surrender and give in to temptation, we must stand firm, trusting the Lord to give us spiritual strength to overcome. When we do this, we are promised He will flee from us. So I encourage you: if you were not around here, or if you need a refreshment, go to our sermon series on Ephesians. uh, Sorry, Ephesians chapter six, both the spiritual. War that we're involved in the, in, the the armor that we have, we can resist the enemy. All right, verb number two, resist. Let's look at Ch- James chapter four, verse eight. Oh, sorry, I got to talk about another hero of mine. Anybody, he, anyone here ever hear of Martin Luther? Okay, some of you older Lutherans are oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to talk a little bit about him here but we're going to find out that Reformation Day lands on a Sunday this year. Yes. And we're going to talk about the beauty of what the Lord has done historically for us as Protestants. And so I'll talk more about him later. He's written much about stuff. But I'm going to focus more on weapons that he talks about. The weapons, prayer and the word of God. Remember we have weapons against the enemy. Prayer in the Word of God. Martin Luther says this, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have much business. I cannot get on without spending three hours in prayer. That's pretty daunting. Some of you don't even have three minutes. Because maybe you're a single mom and you have kids running around. Don't don't say, oh, i got to do... Martin Luther did three hours. i got to do the same thing. Begin in prayer, like this one. The devil fears the word of God; he cannot bite it; it breaks his teeth. This is a weapon. Chapter six, Hebrews four twelve. A fiery shield is God's word, of more substance and purer than gold, which tried in the fire loses none of its substance but resists and overcomes all the fury of the fiery heat. Even so, he that believes God's Word overcomes all, remains secure everlasting against all misfortunes, for this shield fears nothing, neither hell nor the devil. Walk in the Word. Be in the Word. In my line, keep your fingers in the Word all the time. It will help you resist the devil. Alright, James chapter 4, verse 8. The third verb. Come. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Submission here is now paralleled with come near to God. The command to come and draw near is the primary verb in the Old Testament when it deals with worship. If you ever do a study of worship in the Old Testament, the primary word isn't singing, it's coming to the Lord, approaching the Lord with a right heart. When you do this with the right heart, you are sure that He will come near to you. Draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. And He'll forgive your sins. And pour His strength in you so you can combat that little tongue of yours. Combat the desires you have and the anger you have. You will combat that. One of my heroes, anybody hear of John Bunyan? Let me say Pilgrim's Progress. Okay, then maybe, oh, okay. John Bunyan. In prayer, it is better to have heart without words than words without heart. Whoa, right? We come with our agendas, we come with all our stuff, and go, okay, God, here's what I want you to do for me today. You're a great vending machine in the sky. We do all our stuff. When's the last time you've come just empty and broken to God? I... Need you. He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find Him the rest of the day. And here's from Pilgrim's Progress. Drawing near to God. The hill, though high, I covet to ascend. The difficult will not me offend. For I perceive the way of life lies here. Come, pluck up your heart. Let's neither faint nor fear, better through difficult the way to go than wrong, though easy where the end is woe. Again, I encourage you, we have extra copies, possibly, Aaron, of Pilgrim's Progress. Grab that, it's great. We now turn to specific basis of drawing near to God in repentance. The last part of verse eight. Wash your hands, you sinners purify your hearts you double-minded wash and purity is here holding the meaning of repentance i'm dirty i've got stuff going on i need to clean my hands so i thought through this hands represent action heart represents attitude so we have to have the right attitude and the right action not just the attitude but there must be action to it it's not just like okay hands in my pocket okay lord i repent but you're going to do nothing about it you must clean up your life a little bit if it's dirty. Here again is Old Testament language from the purity laws. We need to get our actions and thoughts right with God before we can truly begin a life of submission and obedience. To clean up the church, it must be heart attitude and doing something about it. In fact, go to this. I'm going to have you turn to this one. Romans chapter 1. The youth group is going through Romans right now. Pastor Tony said, Yeah, I'm going to go through Romans chapter 1, 1 through 7 this this past Wednesday. I said, Oh, Romans, I just thought, started thinking about it. So I was able to go out bow hunting, and I sat in the stand and I just landed on verse 7. I was like, oh, this is my meat and potatoes for the rest of my week. To all those in Rome who are. Loved or the Beloved of God? I just want. oh. I'm not just something roaming around. Just, I am the Beloved of God. He loves me. I just relish on that for a while. Those who are loved by God, and here it is. Called. I just thought about that. I'm, I'm called by God. Who am I? Nothing in my life. Oh, and I thought, of. And, but look at that. Called to be holy. We're not just called into God's family, into the kingdom just to be a part and have a big party. There's action, duty behind that. We are called to be holy. And then I just sat there going, God, I repent. Wash me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. This is, back to James here, very similar to Psalm 24. who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Who doesn't play with the world, but is cleaning up their life. The members of the church here that James is writing to, as we have seen, they're in trouble with God. And James calls them sinners. Look at that sinners. He calls them double-minded, which we've talked about before. Chapter 1, verse 8. Friends with the world and friends with God, you cannot do. You can't have divided loyalty. You can't just give God a small portion of your life. It's total surrender. Stop your combative actions with one another and your proud attitudes. Be humble. Wash your hands purify your heart as i thought through this, i thought there's many christians in the history of christianity that talked about this topic so i thought let me bring one that that maybe you've maybe heard of but augustine has anybody heard of augustine's confessions i remember when i was in grad school we read just a part of it so i thought let me i got the whole writing of it man it's They wrote differently back then, at times lengthy in certain areas, but the first three chapters, wow. Let me then confess what I know about myself and confess to what I do not know because it sounds like a tongue twist here, because I know of myself, I know only because You shed light on me, I was in misery. You called and shouted and burst my deafness. You flashed, shone, scattered my blindness. Your breath smells and I drew in breath and panted for you. I tasted and hungered and thirst. You touched me and desired for your peace. When we come to the Lord. He sheds His light on our brokenness, our misery, and then He gives us and imparts life. James chapter 4, verse 9. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. You can neither surrender to God nor resist the devil until you have mourned over your moral failure and spiritual faithlessness. These three words are very synonymous to each other. From the changing of the heart attitude, you then also must change in actions, and it might be expressed in crying, in mourning, in wailing, in outward expression. When you realize the effects of your envy, your pride, your selfishness, your worldliness, it should come out in tears at times. This verse expresses the emotional remorse and points forward to the drawing near of repentance as an essential part of submission. We must have remorse. That's what I was caught up into in Romans chapter 1-7 there. This is a powerful call to public sorrow over sin. And I hope last week you realized the beauty of what Maranatha is going through as we publicly say, you know what? We're struggling. Let's Pull together and pray together in humility. Let us omit sin when it has taken us away from God. Like the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. What, what are my heroes? Again, I'm drawn to the Puritans. Grieve, mourn, and wail. George Fox. Anybody hear of George Fox? I mean, it's probably not many of us. It's okay. Listen to this one. He says, I had great trouble and temptation come many times upon me so that when it was day, I wished for night. And when it was night, I wished for day. I was often under great temptations. I fasted much. I walked around abroad in solitary places many days and took my Bible and went to the, sat in the hollow trees in lonesome places Till night came, and frequently in the night walked mournfully about by myself. For I was a man of sorrows and times of the first workings of the Lord in me. When you have sin, deal with it. You might weep and mourn when you see the holiness of God. That shouldn't be what happens. Verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. That's a verse you should have memorized. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. We have too many prideful people today in this world. It's embarrassing. The people we put on pedestals, whether political or in Hollywood or hero sports, sports people, they're just so full of pride and arrogance. And here it is. The best way to develop humility is not take a whip and beat yourself, crawl around in the dirt and lick the sand. Here it is. Listen, the best way to develop humility is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen? Sit at the feet of Jesus. And I'm pumped to get into the book of Mark. Listen to this out of Matthew chapter 11. Here's a description of Jesus. He was called meek and lowly. Matthew chapter 23, 12. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The words of Christ. Let each day be a day of humility as you seek your weakness and overlook the unkindness of others. Let me say that again. In humility each day, seek and be real with the weakness that you have and overlook look the unkindness of other people. You'll be a peacemaker. Humility. Who can I choose here? I chose someone more modern. Anybody here of A.W. Tozer? Oh, I can't wait for you. I grab a book on the way out. So I've got a couple of Tozer books in there. For the Christian, humility is absolutely indispensable. Without it, there can be no self-knowledge, no repentance, no faith, no salvation. We must return to the New Testament Christianity, not in creed only, but in complete manner of life as well. Separation, obedience, humility, simplicity, gravity, self-control, modesty, cross-bearing, these all must again be made part of the total Christian concept and carried out in everyday conduct. When we look at church history and the saints that have gone before us, God uses the humble, the weak, and the meek to do mighty things for the kingdom. All right, let's get to the end here. Verse 11 and 12. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge? Your neighbor. Don't speak bad against others. Don't speak bad against others. The power struggles have come to full circle as they now, in this church here, they've begun to slander one another. Talk about others and slander them. And this includes many kinds of verbal attacks. Slander, backbiting, gossip, mocking, spreading rumors. The desire is to destroy another person's reputation and they slander one another. When slander or the thoughts of mocking someone or something like that comes to your tongue, stop it. Or when you hear slander about another Christian, tell them, stop that. It's destructive and these Christians have been given a choice. Grieve and all the other verbs, get right with God now. Or face grief on the last Judgment. It's not enough to sorrow privately. You must deal with it even publicly. Repent and submit entirely to God. You'll be saved. While those who continue their arrogant rebellion against God and even against their own fellow Christians, man, it's going to be bad for them. Don't let that happen. By setting themselves up, up as judges, they will be judged by the true judge. We must love one another. So if you ever feel like you want to talk bad about someone or something, James chapter 3, the first part, don't let that tongue do destruction. It can destroy. Or if you hear someone else slandering someone else who's a Christian, be bold and say, no, don't let that happen. We must love one another. Here's one of my heroes. Take a look at this picture. Tony Nord. I had to find an old picture of him. Two weeks ago, I'm tired here, when I was in COVID, he gave the message on love. Remember that? He gave so many examples of how not to do it, but how to do it. This is one of my heroes. You know what? He's one of my pastors too. And October is Pastor Appreciation and Kind of great that each of our pastors will be gone throughout the, on one of the given Sundays, so I'm going to brag about them when they're gone. We are so blessed to have this man part of our lives. Amen. And some of you have kids and families, you're just like, I know. He loves our families because he loves God. One of my heroes. One of his main priorities and goals is that our youth group would be the greatest loving youth group in all of northwestern Wisconsin. And we've done that. Alright, let me close this here. Don't speak bad. I had to think of other of my heroes. Maybe here of Elizabeth Elliot. Cruelty and wrong are not the greatest forces of the world. There is nothing eternal in them only love is eternal. We must be known and be characterized by people of love. Not slandering and gossiping and, and saying malicious things against other Christians or people. We must be known as that guy's a lover. That lady's a lover. She's written a lot about that. This love of which I speak is slow to lose patience. It looks for ways of being constructive. Use your tongue to encourage and, and and bring construction to others. Love is not possessive. And again, she's leaning here on uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not anxious to impress or does not cherish inflated ideas of its own ideas. Love has good manners and does not pursue selfish advantage. Love is not touchy. It does not keep account of evil or gloat over the weaknesses of other people. It keeps no records of wrong. On the contrary, is glad with all good men when truth prevails. Love knows no limits of its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading in its hope. It cannot last anything. It is, in fact, the only thing that stands when all else fails. So in conclusion, we have seven verbs given to us here how to clean up your life, how to fix things up, follow these seven things. And it begins with submitting to the Lord. And I encourage you, if you've never had total surrender, today is the day of total surrender. And out of that, you'll be humbled in many ways and seek humility as a great morsel of life. And you'll weep and you'll draw near to God and you'll you'll clean up. And then you'll be Pouring out and oozing love. We must love one another more and more. That's the beauty of it. Let's pray. Father God, we come before You and I even think of my own life, my own heart. There's so much that I, I need to learn from You, Lord, and I'm so grateful for these Saints, these men and women that have gone before us to struggle through the same things we struggle with, and they've written things down, and they've given us examples of their own lives. Lord, teach us to be more like You. And above all, Lord, You walk this sod, this earth. And You gave us the example how to love one another. How to be humble in heart. How would You come before You and You cleanse us, You empower us to resist the enemy because of Your Spirit, Your victory on the cross, the weapons of the Word, the weapons of prayer. And we as a church corporately right now, we surrender to You and we ask that You do mighty, mighty things, we pray. And this we all together say, Amen. Amen. Stand and join us in our last few songs.
3: Consecrate so me now to thy service, Lord, by thy power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thy. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me Blessed Lord, to Thy precious pleading Son, O the pure delight of a single hour that before Thy throne I stand. Blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with Thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me. Near
2: I'm going to bring these books to the back. I've got a stack of other books. Swing by the welcome desk or the little desk there. I'll grab one of these, some of my heroes. In fact, I forgot, it. maybe I had a slide there. It, uh, Warren Weir'sby put out a book called 50 People Every Christian Should Know. And it goes through some of these great legends of the faith. I encourage you to learn about them, read about them, be inspired by them. Let me send you off with Romans chapter 12. For 11 chapters, Paul's been pounding the message of salvation in such wonderful words. And most of the verbs are all, in, pretty much all of them are indicative, indicating truth. And then chapter 12 comes, and all the verbs change, to imperative, this you must do. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, the beauty of the cross, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Go forth and live out these seven verbs in mighty ways. Amen? God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us. And grab a book on the way out.